Welcome, and thanks for joining me today on Mortgage Manager Playbook, a podcast for sales leaders who want to improve their team's sales performance and originate more loans. I'm Pat Sherlock, your host. Today's topic is successfully moving from non-delegated to delegated. I have the perfect expert, George Ballou. He's Senior Vice President at the University of Virginia Credit Union. George has had a long career in mortgage banking and mortgage lending, including BB&T and starting out at Planners Bank and Trust. Hi, George. Hello. How are you, Pat? I'm doing great, and I'm so thrilled to have you because this is such a topic, and you've had such a successful career within mortgage banking, with startups, with with experienced entities, and talking about moving to from non-delegated to delegated. I think it's a really important topic. So, but before we start there, let's talk about how you got into the world of mortgage banking. That is a, a good question. I kind of, in a way, fell into it. I My first job was with uh, actually with a finance company a long time ago doing small loans and second mortgages. And doing the second mortgages is how I fell in love with doing uh, mortgage loans. So I, after that, I wanted to learn everything I could about mortgage lending and mortgage business. And so I actually worked for a credit union a long time ago for about a year and a half. And then from there, I went to community banks where I started a mortgage division for a small community bank and then learned everything I could after that about mortgage uh, about mortgage lending. That's actually how I got started, just with a little small finance company. Well, I can relate to that. That's actually how I got started. So small world. Oh, say, yes, please. it is. Yeah, <laughs> small world. Oh. Uh, so talk about, George, your challenges as a sales leader in your current position. Obviously, this year has been a difficult year. Talk about what you see as being some of your bigger challenges. Well, the, the biggest challenge uh, has to me has always been really retaining uh, top producing loan originators. It's, you know, it's a it's a hard tough business when it comes to having top producers and because once you have a top producer even if you've hired them from no experience and you give them the experience you seem to lose them because you know everybody's competing for those top producers that know how to go out there and get business it's a natural talent to me to have somebody that really knows how to do that and that has the training and the wherewithal to uh, to really go out and sell themselves and build relationships and that's not something that everybody can do so that's been a big uh, that's been a tough thing for us uh, just throughout my career uh, is to be able to retain them and then have enough sale uh, sales staff to adequately cover the area and uh, like right now with the credit union cover our field of membership and so because we're a, a, a billion uh, seven credit union we have a very large uh, field of membership. And so just to have enough uh, boots on the ground to uh, service our members and service our uh, membership field and and grow our memberships has been a tough, tough balancing act for us right now. Well, it's never easy, that's for sure. And certainly this market has been more difficult because of the rising of the interest rates, but we look like things might be settling down. So that's good news for next year. So talk about the issues that you think mortgage lenders, and of course you've been on all sides of it with the credit unions, uh, the independent mortgage bankers and the banks. Talk about what issues they should be addressing and are not addressing. Well, I know a lot of some places have uh, the training staff, especially the bigger banks that I've been with in the past. They have a, a whole big department of people that train, train you how you know, train how to do mortgage loans, how to what about their products, pricing, 
how to use their loan operating system and their point of sale uh, systems. I think that from what I've seen about some credit unions as well as some independent mortgage banks uh, that are smaller, they don't really have those those training uh, staffs. And so I think we need to learn how to address those better uh, in order to train our people adequately. That's one thing that I think that we really need to, to look at closer as leaders. And then we also need to see to need to be able to go and also train our people on how to go out and build relationships. I know there's a lot of lenders out there that do that. They, they especially independent mortgage companies, they will train you, but they also leave it up to you to build relationships and to nurture that skill on your own. And at least what I've seen in my past. And so I think, I think as a, as someone coming in into it new, uh, some young people, which we need in our business, we need to provide that for them and to get them started with it at least. And because, you know, it, it's a commission driven business. And so you generally don't have a salary. You may have a draw in the beginning and most of them are not forgivable draws. So you can end up uh, owing a lot of money if you're not uh, a producer that understands the business and what to do. And so I think as leaders, we need to make sure that we advocate for those uh, for those new uh, LOs, uh, loan officers, and make sure that we are the ones that are out there and, and building that team and building those originators, their skills, and, and showing them what to do, especially if they're brand new to the business. Well, it's one of my favorite topics, and we can certainly talk more about that because I agree with you 100%, and this has been a problem within the industry for a long time. But let's talk about next year. What priorities are you having in your group for 2024? We at, at, uh, the, at our credit union uh, at uh, UVA, we we are wanting to grow our mortgage portfolio. We generally did not do that much in the past. Um, we have a new uh, CEO that's been with us for almost two years now, and uh, so our uh, we have a lot of a lot of capital. We want to lend. We want to grow our portfolio um, to uh, double than what we have it now. So that is one thing that we're going to concentrate on in 24. We're also looking to finalize our approval uh, as a seller servicer with Freddie Mac this year, early this year. And then so we want to deal directly with Freddie and service our mortgage, our mortgage loans with Freddie, as well as Fannie Mae looking at that at the fourth quarter of this year. And then another one of our products is we do a the I-10 product. And so we want to make sure that we are uh, cultivating the the growing Hispanic market that a lot of places doesn't seem like they're really catering to. So we have a bilingual team and we want to make sure and we have that product that we just developed this year and it's a portfolio product. So we it's very competitive. It's a neat, much needed product. And it's not just for Hispanics. It's actually for any for, foreign person that doesn't have a social security number. So we can we can cater to everyone there. Mm-hmm. And then we have more products on our menu that we're adding this year or, and next year in order to be better serve our members and future mm-hmm. members. So are you looking to add staff? Are you seeing next year as you're going to be adding staff? We do. What we're going to do, our, our, um, our, our project is in regards to adding staff, we're looking at possibly adding key staff that we may need to have. We We may, it just depends. It depends on the 
on on the market. We, you mm-hmm. know, we're looking at if the Fed does what what they say they're going to do, and business picks up depending on the the interest rates, course mortgage rates, and then the appreciation rates, or if housing mm-hmm. prices happen to you know subside a little bit, then we may we may add some staff. But right now we've kind of taken a, a position to where we add staff if we need to, but then we also uh, use fulfillment centers uh, and we contract some of it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been able to balance that instead of having to lay people off. So we add when we need to, but we also use fulfillment centers. Well, that's smart for sure. That's a good lead in to talking about our main topic today, and that's moving from non-delegated to delegated. So why don't we step back and and if you could talk about what is the difference between non-delegated, why you do that, and then why do you move to delegated, the pros and the cons? Okay. Well, there are pros and cons to both. Non-delegated, in my view, and I've done this before in the past at a couple of different places, when you walk into a a shop or mortgage company or mortgage division department, when you're a non-delegated, it you're you're kind of you're leaving you're leaving the decision you're leaving your your competitiveness up to basically another lender they're making the call in regards to how fast you can get the loans done if there is a you may say you can get a uh, you can can waive this condition or you can go stretch the uh, DTI the debt to income ratio a little bit more but they may not see the same thing that you see so therefore they're they may not agree and they'll deny the loan or they'll want um, more down payment or more money in reserves. And so you, you kind of limit yourself on what you can do with loans, not saying they're bad loans, just saying that they're, they're not willing to, to go any further than what, what their management's going to allow. Where if you're delegated, you have more control. You can take a little bit more uh, risk if you're adverse to do that in your, your organization. And, and or you can put it in your portfolio if maybe the appraisal doesn't quite fit the Fannie Freddie's or the government guidelines. And so that's that's why I really like moving from a non-delegated to delegated. And, and that's what we did here when I, when I joined the credit union. So talk about, George, the type of issues that you have to address that you don't normally have to address if you're non-delegated. So talk about what that looks like, what type of things that you learned when you moved that, since you've done this in different places. Uh, talk about all of those issues. Well, the, the one of the things you have to uh, be, be willing to be willing to look at and address is when you're when you move from non-delegated to delegated typically you are going to you you have to always remember that you may have to own a loan so meaning that if you make a bad decision on a for example an, uh, an fha loan you have to underwrite the fha loans you can do it as a sponsor with a sponsor meaning that they'll underwrite it but uh, and they'll and they'll own it, meaning if they make a mistake, that company owns the loan, even though you were actually originated it. But if you are the lender and you underwrite it as as a DE or a direct endorsement underwriter with FHA, then if you make the mistake, then most likely you're going to have to you're going to own that loan. You're going to uh, put it in your portfolio, uh, is what it actually ends up meaning. So. When you when you do that, then you own the loan and you have a 96.5% loan on your books. And generally, an FHA loan is a lower credit score. I mean, 
uh, generally FHA will uh, let you make a loan down to, I think their lowest score is 500. Most creditors will only go to about 580, some down to 620, some to 660, it just depends. We'll do down to 580, but that's with a lot of compensating factors. Um, generally, we don't like to go under 600 if, if we don't have to, or 620. So there are some things that you have to look at with with going to delegated. So talk about internally from a management standpoint and selling senior management that it's important to move from non-delegated to delegated. What was that like and what type of arguments certainly are on both sides that you have to really address? That's a very good question. We had, when I joined the credit union, I had a very supportive president and CEO who's, who's now retired, but she was very supportive of it. We talked about it before I even joined. And so I made sure that she understood what what I was in planning to do when I joined, and that's exactly what she wanted us to do. So that was a that was the first step. The second step was I had two uh, very important individuals, the director of mortgage services and director of mortgage operations, that works with me, and they were very supportive. So that also was a big key factor. But so you you have to have you definitely have to have management's buy-in, uh, executive management's buy-in when you when you start this because it's uh, and and you have to have knowledgeable people to understand what you're doing because you you can run into you can you can get your credit union or and or your financial institution into a lot of uh, trouble meaning a lot of risk if you don't know what you're doing so. I don't recommend someone trying to do it on their own with a staff that understands only portfolio lending. It's there, there is a lot of risk. They do need to make sure that they are either consulting uh, with a con consultant that understands how to do it, has dealt with it for years, that uh, understands the in ins and outs of Fannie Freddie if they're going to do a conventional type of a build or they understand uh, FHAV and USDA, if they're going to do the government building, they already have a Fannie Freddie shop set up because there are differences in the two, conventional and the governments. But you definitely have to have your executive management buy-in if you're going to do it. So, George, talk about as you looked at this and, and you implemented this new strategy at where you're at now, which many lenders are facing, um, obviously, different institutions. but from a volume standpoint, did that moving to delegate translate into much more business or what's been the actual experience that you've had? Well, it did translate into more business for us. When I joined, we were a non-delegated, we were a sponsored uh, VA and USDA, which means that we could originate them and then we were at the mercy of our two investors that we had on board at that time. We were a 90% refi shop, so we did very uh, few uh, purchase loans at all. So 90% purchase, I mean 90% refi, 10% purchase, and we were non-delegated, so every loan had to be underwritten by our investors. At the time that I joined, it was prior to the refinance boom of the 2020 and 2021, and so it was taking our investors six weeks or more to underwrite our loans. Six weeks from a two-day at the most underwriting to six weeks to underwrite one loan. 
So it, that makes a whole lot of difference when you're a non-delegated. If you're delegated, you don't have those problems. You may have a problem to say, okay, it's going to take us 48, 72 hours to underwrite a loan, but it, not six weeks. So there is a lot of difference in, between being delegated and non-delegated. There's a big competitive advantage of being a delegated lender and having an approval uh, with uh, with FHA being an unconditional direct endorsement FHA lender, as well as a VA, SAR, and LAP lender, and then a USDA lender. And, and that's what we built, have built here over the last uh, four years since I've been here. From a, and now we're an 85% purchase shop and uh, mm-hmm. a 15% refi at mm-hmm. most times. So if you had to summarize some of the lessons that you learned, if you had to do it over again, what were some of the things that you would have done? Well, first of all, we did it, uh, I think, the best that we could. Mm-hmm. We built uh, built staff. We, we hired the uh, underwriters. Uh, we had two underwriters. I don't know that I really would have really would have changed anything. We contracted out our uh, Fannie Freddie underwriting so we could concentrate our new DE SAR lap underwriters with just and portfolio with the portfolio and the, the, the uh, governments. And so we could grow without having to put a lot of money into our more into staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, staff is your biggest expense. And so now we are set up to where it, when when the market turns, this market will turn. And when it turns, we uh, are prepared to grow with uh, a fulfillment center. And we have processors and under underwriters and closers, post-closers. But and we'll grow that way. And when the market is sustainable, then we'll hire internally. Mm-hmm. But we won't grow to the point to where we we have so many in within internally that we'll have to lay off. Uh, sure. That's not the way we want to operate as credit union. And so my last question to you, from start to finish, when you decided with strategy, how long did it take you to actually implement it? Well, from start to finish, we it took us it took us three three years because it to to become a, a direct endorsement with FHA you have to go through uh, test cases and mm-hmm. uh, 15 test cases with FHA so and there's uh, you have to get your approval then you have to go through test cases and and that and they only give you a year and you, and we're doing FHA loans with not really having a reputation so you've got to get your originators out there to get FHA loans without having a reputation. So, but we got through that. We did great on our test cases. Uh, VA loans, we did some VA loans, but we weren't known as a lender. I had to apply to get all those approvals. Same with USDA. So it took some time. And now we're going through to be a, to deal direct with Freddie. We did have Freddie Mac sell a servicer approval, but we always just basically selling to our investors. So you, we had to build up a track record as an as a delegated underwriter before we could even apply for Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae seller servicer, and they required two years of a track record of underwriting and build our QC program quality control. So you mm-hmm. have to have all that too. So it takes a lot to do it, but we we managed to get through all of that, and um, and so we're we're really now positioned well. We are actually building our uh, subservicer 
and uh, we we uh, we will have our subservicer set up by the first quarter of next year in order to be able to service uh, the Fannie Freddie loans. Well, that's been terrific that you were able to do it actually relatively short. I've heard a lot of other lenders, it's been a longer, a longer projection. So any last words, George, that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, if they, you know, it's, it, it's possible to do it. It's still, it, you know, they, the, uh, the agencies, even the, even the government agencies, they, they are very helpful. So sometimes it's hard to get a hold of them, but they are very helpful once you do make contact with them. And they, so it, don't be afraid of it. And if um, anybody, you know, if anybody ever needs any help, we certainly, credit unions help each other. And uh, if you're not a credit union, of course, I've been in banking a long time too. So I'm more than happy to to help if uh, anyone ever needs any questions answered. Well, I appreciate that, George. And I want to have our listeners certainly linked in with you on the LinkedIn profiles. I think that would be very helpful. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. And I want to thank George for sharing his wisdom on this important topic of a way to move from non-delegated to delegated. Thanks so much, George. You're welcome, Pat. It's a pleasure being on your show. Thank you. Well, thank you. And certainly you can catch up with all of our previous episodes by going to www.patsherlock.com and subscribe. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Manager Playbook. You can catch up on all our episodes by subscribing to receive each week a new show. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and team members. If you're looking to increase production, call me to discuss my prospecting sales training program, ramping up realtor referral sources. Check out my website, www.patsherlock.com.